Welcome to Parkinson's Recovery Radio. This is Robert Rogers, your host, founder, and manager of everything that needs to happen in order to be able to identify natural methods, approaches, and therapies that are helping individuals diagnosed with Parkinson's disease find ways to get relief from their symptoms. I have a very special guest on the radio show today. Dr. Lou Lem is the CEO of Vlight. He is an engineer and a doctor of natural medicine. And he has additional diplomas in medical neuroscience and even business and accountancy. Dr. Lim obtained his degrees and diplomas from very prestigious universities, the University of California at Berkeley, the University of Sheffield, Duke University, Quantum University, and the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants. Dr. Lim, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on the radio show today. Sure. Well, thank you for inviting me. So the reason I ask uh, Dr. Lim to be a guest on the show is that he is the inventor and creator of photobiomodulation devices through his company, Beolite, that's located in Toronto, Canada. And we interviewed Dr. Lem uh, over a year ago, and he introduced one of his really very new devices, the NeuroGamma device. It's a photobiomodulation or a light therapy. And as a result, a number of listeners decided to go ahead and purchase the NeuroGamma device, and we're using it over the past year. The exciting news for me is that on the holiday survey, which I conduct every year, which ask my respondents, what has been helping you get relief from your symptoms over the past year? The Beolite, of all things, was listed as one of the therapies that had been helping a number of individuals. So it's clear that his inventions, his creations are providing some support for persons who are currently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And for that, I want to really applaud his efforts, his creativity, his inventions, uh, because it looks like it's really making a big difference uh, for persons with Parkinson's. So I'd like to um, ask him a number of different questions about photobiomodulation in general, more specifically a new invention that has just been released by VLI called the X+. So, Dr. Lim, for people who are new to photobiomodulation therapy and light therapy in general, could you give a brief overview of what in the world this this therapy is and how it works? Well, first of all, thank you for sharing the information. Uh, Feedback from your listeners, uh, actually very encouraging. Uh, We don't actually... um, you know, uh, rely on CSL reports uh, too much because we are really uh, wanting to rely more on uh, clinical evidence. So, so on that aspect, uh, well, 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 thank you. And uh, and uh, to add to that, um, I want to say that there are some trials going on in Australia right now uh, using the gamma and also to test some other devices to see if photobiomodulation really works on Parkinson's. So, um, well, in, in case 
some people out there are not familiar with photobiomodulation, very briefly, <clears throat> it is delivering light of a certain wavelength, particularly red to near-infrared light, to the cells of your body. And, you know, and in Parkinson's, we, you know, we're hoping that it will be delivered to the neurons and various parts of the brain that is involved in the disease, that it can help. Um, at a fundamental level, when you deliver light to the, the, the cells, and at, even at a, even lower, uh, at a more basic level, the, the mitochondria, where, uh, where there is this event, chain of events that, um, that uh, releases, uh, synthesize and release uh, cellular energy or ATP. So uh, the theory is if the cells is not functioning at homeostatic level, it responds, it absorbs this light and translates that into, uh, you know, ATP and other signaling molecules that lead to cellular recovery. And if that theory works, it should apply to a number of different conditions. And it also helps with the functioning of the, and for the brain, uh, the functioning of the brain cells. So I hope that kind of put that in a nutshell. Uh, now going to the X plus, um, I, you know, we are looking at trying to go and deliver these photons even deeper into the brain and covering other areas that the neural alpha and N gamma uh, probably, you know, uh, based on physics, does not, uh, will not be able to reach. So if it reaches these deep areas, it's usually due to indirect signaling. Um, and there are certain biological signals and people may want to bring quantum physics and so on, but uh, I don't think I need to go too much into that. But the idea really of the X-plus is to say, when you position it on the cerebellum, which is at the back of your head, where the spine joins, uh, you know, the spinal cord joins the brain, roughly around the area, there is a lump of very ancient part of the brain that controls uh, reflexes, balance. Um, and the important thing about the cerebellum is it, it also acts as a kind of quality check. Recent data shows that uh, if that is not functioning well, it's not helping the other parts of the brain to perform properly or at its optimum. So that's reason to put it there. And, and the X-Pod is meant to be versatile too. It can uh, reposition on other parts of the brain, like you know the brainstem or the vagus nerve in, uh, and other parts of the body. So we thought, that doing something like this, uh, we means me and with the help of the engineers, um, can actually help to get photons deeper into the brain. And Parkinson's is a disease that involves uh, very deep parts of the brain. You know, uh, you're talking about the uh, the basal ganglia, which is the midbrain area, and you're talking about the substantia nigra, where the dopamine has uh, generated. Uh, talking about certain parts of the brain where brain stimulation is done, like the atomic nucleus and, and so on. So, so just in summary, deep parts of the brain. So when you when we when you try to triangulate that 
combining with, with say, the neural gamma. Uh, the theory is it gets, you know, it reaches deeper. Now, we uh, don't know. We, you know, we, I shouldn't be making any claim that he's going to, uh, you know, help, clearly help with Parkinson's. Uh, just that if you can do that, it may help. So we're trying to help the, with our research and the research done by other researchers on Parkinson's too, by adding this and see what the outcomes are. Uh, it's, it's a little bit early, but uh, people who use it for, um, you know, uh, the athletes, for example, who rely on their balance and reactions and so on, uh, have found it helpful. So it helps in performance. It makes us think that it is doing its job. So for Parkinson's, which is a, a disease, we have to get more evidence before we say anything and and uh, you know, and get regulatory approval before we can make a claim. So, so that's a nutshell. And uh, perhaps you know, your listeners using this over a period of time may be able to provide feedback <clears throat> on how good it the is. The X Plus is a very yeah. new development, and I think you've only listed it as available on your website for about a month. So clearly, no specific research is available to see what we know about how it might affect Parkinson's symptoms. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Uh, to, to be able to say that it comes with Parkinson's uh, really requires to, require us to do, you know, proper clinical trials and make, be able to say that. But, uh, but you know, there's nothing to stop people from trying it. There's no side effect. So theoretically, you know, if we can deliver more uh, photons deeper into the brain, particularly that, that area, uh, it might help. People then don't have to be concerned it might do harm or have some side effects? No, that's, uh, we haven't seen any, any evidence of that you know, in our tests. <clears throat> now, I asked my audience, do you have any questions for Dr. Lim? And I did receive several. One of them is from an individual who has purchased and is using both the Neural Gamma and the X+. I believe you already answered his question, but he's specifically wanting to know if they are performing different functions and indicates that, well, if so, he will start using both devices daily unless you recommend otherwise. So what would be your response to his question? Yeah, you know, I have a question like this and asking me whether they should use the X plus and a gamma at different times. And I recommend that they use the X plus and the gamma at the same time. Uh, as I've alluded uh, earlier, the reason is so that, you know, when you deliver photons from, uh, uh, you know, different parts of the brain and this additional part, it, you know, you can possibly triangulate deeper into the brain. So there is an opportunity for, to get deeper when everything works together. A person can use the X plus as an independent unit, as I understand it. Is that correct? Yeah, they can do that too. Yep. And yeah. so to use to use both, the neural gamma would be put into place, and then also the X plus, and somehow fits uh, on top of that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So where you position it, follow the user guide. It uh, the user guide has a drawing. I I think it's out. Uh, we're doing a video instruction as well to show exactly where to position it so it hits the cerebellum. 
But you know, you can also move it um, if you want to go. You see, the cerebellum blocks the brainstem anatomically. And uh, there are some treatments that require, you know, more photons and go to the brainstem. Actually, Parkinson's is even one of them. You can actually reposition it, move it uh, to a position right behind the lower earlobe where it joins the jaw and do it on the left and right side. So, you know, that gets closer to the brainstem. Oh. And even, you know, closer to the basal ganglia. Right. Now, you indicate it can be used in different places on the body. So, for example, if a person has a lot of cramping in their right foot or some rigidity in their left shoulder, are you saying that you can then take the X-plus and position it in those locations on the body? Yeah, uh, you can put it, um, yeah, on any part of your body. Um, if You know, you can put it on your gut to, there is a, there are a couple of studies published, one in Australia, uh, people I'm working with, and one in France, people I'm working with. And uh, they showed in Australia, they showed in animal study, when you the right red or near infrared light to the microbiome, you get more diversity. And you get in, um, I think in France they did it. Um, I'm not sure if they did it on humans, they did it on well, Australia, they did on the animals. And I think in France, they, uh, I think they look at some clinical outcomes on humans as well. So, so but most of the studies are done on animals. And the good thing is, you know, when you have greater diversity in your microbiome, uh, you, you have a chance of uh, strengthening the, the good guys in the microbiome, the good bacteria. Right. Well, it sounds like anybody would be advantaged to use the X-plus to put it right there in their gut, so to speak, to uh, perform yeah, that uh, yeah. particular function. Yeah. Uh, now, can they do that several times a day or throughout the day? Is there a limit to how many times they should do that application? Yeah, I usually recommend doing this uh, once a day um, for people who are already diagnosed with a condition or, you know, or do you have something chronic? Um, if for fairly normal people, once every two days, um, you know, we, of course, this is theoretical and yet to be backed by clinical evidence. But, but generally speaking, I find that people do respond pretty well, even once every two days. And the thing about photobiomodulation is there is a risk of overstimulation. Um, so... So you want to avoid that. If you're just using the intranasal, the lower-powered ones, you can use twice a day. Um, and all this is, you know, based on years of observations and experience. So, so I think once a day is probably good enough. In other words, if a person, let's say, has quite a bit of hip pain in their right hip and they do an application on their right hip, and the pain is, you know, maybe a little relieved, but they feel like, well, if I do a second application, maybe my pain will be better. I think what you're recommending as well, one time a day is probably going to be sufficient. Would that be a good summary of what you just said? Uh, yeah, if they're applying, you know, say you're treating, you know, you're putting on a head using it, and then you want to use on another part of your body, I think it's okay, you know, uh, to use it, you know, in, in, in an additional time.
And so, so uh, if a person does their head with the X plus and then does their get, gut with the X plus and does their right hip with the X plus, can they treat other parts of the body as well? Is there a limit to how much they can do? Yeah, we uh, you know, so I, I, I also tell people, you know, to feel free to experiment. Um, people are different. Some people can tolerate just once. I've got people who say they can only tolerate once every three days. Uh, some people do it uh, twice a day. But, uh, you know, if you're doing on different parts of your body, it's, it's probably okay to do in total more than once a day. But uh, it's, just a, it's just a generalized thing. Don't do it too, too much. Uh, say, you know, different parts of the body, two, three times a day in total, I think, uh, I think that's enough. Because the effect of water biomodulation can be systemic. You do one wow. part and it affects another part of the body. Interesting. Now, the X-Plus also has a nose applicator just as the neurogamma. So if you're treating your right hip or your left big toe with the X-Plus, do you also have that nose applicator in or not? Yeah. Um, you see, the nose for the X-Plus is visible red. <clears throat> More precisely, at 633 nanometer. Uh, which has a shorter wavelength and it doesn't penetrate as deep. I say the 810 nanometers on the neurons. So in in uh, studies, it shows that it's a shorter wavelength. It doesn't quite penetrate uh, past blood and water, nowhere near as much as 810 nanometers. So the 810, uh, you know, with the, on the neurons goes more directly to the brain. And the 633 is shorter, it gets trapped into the blood circulatory system. So when you combine them both together, it becomes holistic. Um, you, know, you kind of, you can imagine that because one is going to the body in general, one is going to the brain. So it makes the whole thing, when combining both of them together, together it makes the whole thing more comprehensive and holistic. So, so the X-Pulse is actually a good complement to one of the neurons. Now, is it possible, given that you're in Toronto, Canada, to ship the X-Plus or the NeuroGamma to any country in the world, or are there limitations of shipment? No, we actually do. We ship all over the world. So far, uh, it's not been a problem. We have fulfillment centers in uh, Canada, U.S., and Australia to cover, you know, very part of the world that's uh, that's more convenient, which oh. you know, for particular fulfillment centers. Right. Now, I have another question from a listener, and it goes as follows: uh, They ask, "What effect does photobiomodulation have on cancer cells? Since it increases circulation." Does it cause proliferation and metastasis of the cancer? Are there any studies that show how photobiomodulation affects cancer cells? So this is actually a discussion, uh, is a continuing discussion in the photobiomodulation scientific community. The, the general consensus in the last meeting last year was um, 
it doesn't doesn't actually um, make the cancer worse. And uh, if applied indirectly, probably makes it the whole situation better. Um, and I'm not saying that this applies to our devices. It's just for the biomodulation in general. Uh, the reason is this, you know, there is this thing, uh, phenomenon in cancer called a Warburg effect. Um, and uh, what it, it says generally is that the cancer cells like uh, glucose, sugar in the system, and they don't like oxygen. So um, photobiomodulation generally increases oxygenation in the system. So that kind of helps the other cells, but not the cancer cells. And that's, that's the theory. So, uh, so the, you know, we've, you know, the, during discussion, um, uh, the, the, the people have brought up from their experience, it's, you know, it's, it seems to be uh, falling along that line of um, argument. Now, the other thing about photobiomodulation is it also helps with the immune system and this is where you can trace you can trace it back down to the mechanism involving the mitochondria. And if you go deeper, it you know it releases this signaling molecule uh, that lead to you know this gene transcription. It creates proteins that make the cell better in terms of the integrity of the cells and uh, you know uh, and also including anti-inflammatory effect. So they've, they actually measured uh, the biomarkers for inflammation, uh, which seems to be lower. So there is, there is an anti-inflammatory effect uh, that could mean strengthening of the immune system. Now, um, you know, the, the cancer therapies today actually involve discussion on immunotherapy, which is uh, you allow your immune system to fight the cancer cells. And now, you know, every, all of us produce uh, mutations in our cells. The cancer cells all the time, and it is up to the white blood cells to identify it and then kill it. Um, this, is, this is what the body does. It just keeps away not just invaders, invading pathogens, but also... Delinquent cells in our body is a mopping up job of our immune system. So if your immune system is strong, in theory, you can actually help to keep cancer at bay. So that's the, you know, that's the theory. Um, there's not, a, actually, I don't, I don't recall any major studies uh, done on, at a human level on cancer with photobiomodulation. I think it's a touchy subject. Um, I can only speak about it in theory right now. In my own search for studies on photobiomodulation, it looked like there was some impressive evidence of its effects on dementia and memory issues, and there was some discussion as it might apply to issues uh, uh, confronting people who are diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Could you discuss that a bit? Okay, uh, so we have uh, a major trial, you know, I've talked about it. Um, that is, you know, we've been preparing for this for two years already. I think it's just about to start. So hopefully, 
uh, within the next couple of weeks. So today is like you know, March, and towards the end of March, so we expect to start in April. Now, now there are, so this trial involves um, a device that we call RX Gamma. It's kind of like a gamma, but it's meant for, uh, for as a medical device. So that has a different standards. Um, there are reasons for every single specification in that device, and one of which is, uh, you know, pulsing at 40 hertz. And why do we do that? Uh, 40 hertz has, you know, has some uh, fairly recent discoveries and what relates to it. Now, when you encode memory, you um, you need the presence of high frequency oscillations in the brain because that's found to be associated with helping with memory encoding. It, uh, when you encode memory, you you know there's activity in the brain. You create this shockwave ripples, and you know it can release to excitotoxicity in the brain. But then your brain has its own mechanism to uh, remove this toxicity. If you don't, then you know obviously you're going to you're going to lead to bad things. So they found that high frequency like gamma oscillations is present when when um, you know, when uh, memory is being encoded to prevent this excitotoxicity and bad, better encoding of the memory. So that's one thing. And uh, the other thing was, is, uh, uh, was uh, a MIT paper published in 2016 and also came out just in the last couple of months um, where it activates the microglia in, a, in your brain to remove this uh, protein deposits associated with Alzheimer's, like the beta amyloid plaques, um, and possibly whatever is not that doesn't belong there, like the tau proteins and so on. So there are several reasons, you know, um, that uh, you know having the, this endogenous high oscillation, high frequency oscillations in the brain is necessary. And if you're lacking of it, um, and you can actually see in EEG studies that uh, Alzheimer's and dementia are associated with low power in these high frequencies and this high power in the low frequencies. So when we induce gamma, it actually does the opposite. We're publishing a paper um, on what we found on when we induce gamma into the brain. So it kind of support what we what we're trying to do, and photobiomodulation on its own, uh, as I've explained before, helps with uh, the neurons or you know whatever cells in the body to recover when it's not functioning properly. So that's why we deliver photobiomodulation, and when we do do it, eight ten nanometers, uh, eight ten penetrates deeper into the brain, and then we point um, these modules for delivering this light on certain positions of the brain. So the gamma uh, modules are on the nodes of what, uh, you know, what we call um, the default mode network. So imaging studies that go back to, it must be more than 10 years now, uh, shows that the lesions for Alzheimer's are mostly concentrated around the nodes of the default mode network. 
And where are they? They are pretty much where we are positioning these modules of the new gamma and the alpha. So that has another purpose, why we're positioning it that way. You know, you could have a, a massive helmet with hundreds of LEDs in your brain, on your brain, uh, but that is, you know, uh, that makes the product more expensive. It's not as user-friendly, uh, and it's probably not necessary. So, you know, uh, so that's why we designed the product as it is. I've always been curious, how do you determine the frequency number of 810? Why not 830 or 740 or 1000? Why is it that that's used? Uh, it's a good question. You know, I said, okay, visible red is on the shorter end of this spectrum, and it doesn't penetrate as deep. So if you go longer, it penetrates deeper. But think about radio waves. So radio waves are all in the same, um, you know, uh, genus of, or, you know, category of, in physics, called electromagnetic waves. So the longer it is, this light wave becomes microwaves, and then it becomes radio waves. So radio waves penetrate virtually anything, as you know, right? It goes to walls and everything. So in theory, why not just deliver, uh, you know, long wavelength, it penetrates deeper. But remember, the I talked about the mechanism uh, basing on the mitochondrial activity. And that only is, is only found to respond to red and near-infrared. So near-infrared could go up to, there are studies that show that when you, you know, when you provide, you deliver 1064 nanometers or 1072 or even longer, uh, actually gets good outcomes from the brain as well. And, uh, you know, the recent debate comes out, I don't want to talk too much about this, uh, which is it on the cytochrome C oxidase or calcium ions or whatever it is, it's not a, it's pretty well established the mitochondria respond, but but the exact um, molecular mechanism is not 100% established. But the outcomes are there. But the point is, uh, you know, that is a range that the cells, the mitochondria, will respond. Now, why 810 and not 850 and so on? Now, there is a study done. It shows that the absorption actually peak, the penetration peak at 810 nanometers, around there. And the reason is because as you go longer, water comes in, into play. So the longer wavelengths are getting absorbed by water. And what happens oh. is when it gets absorbed by water, it turns into heat. So, you know, it's just useless energy. And uh, the absorption is fairly exponential as you go longer than... 810 nanometers. That's the reason why I chose 810 nanometers. Oh, fascinating. Now, very clearly, you make absolutely no claims about uh, any particular outcome using either the X plus or the neural gamma. But it sounds like, given your explanation of the process involved, that it could facilitate healing lots of different kinds of illnesses potentially. In other words, not specifically Parkinson's, not specifically Alzheimer's, but other kind of conditions as well. Would that be a fair summary? Yeah, we are actually about to start a study on traumatic brain injury. 
with Boston, um, looking at imaging with fMRI, and then we're in discussion with another group um, using another, also on traumatic brain injury, using another outcome measure. So those stuff are going on because um, I think people with brain injury need help as well, especially those with, you know, chronic symptoms that don't go away after many years. So, so we're looking into that. So it's possible that the devices that you have invented could be used by a person who has had a brain injury for a number of years and not been able to be able to heal from that. Wouldn't necessarily just apply to somebody who was just injured recently. Would that be true? Yeah, that's what we are trying to uh, to find out uh, doing this study to do. You know, we've had uh, so we had people telling us that you know it helps in the you know symptoms like that. So. So let's uh, let's try and see whether it can be validated in a big trial because you need these statistical, uh, you know, numbers to actually see whether your 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 modality works. Right. Well, I know people, having heard a little bit about the science behind these wonderful inventions, would like to know more specifically about the two devices. So the NeuroGamma device. What is the current cost of that? Uh, the new gamma is seventeen forty nine US dollars, and, and uh, yeah, the X part is seven hundred forty nine. And then, for members of the Parkinson's recovery uh, audience, Dr. Lim has generously offered a ten percent discount off of whether you purchase the Neuro Gamma or the X Plus or both. And what you'll want to be sure to know is you'll need to just simply apply the following coupon code on the shopping cart, and that code is HEALING FOR ME, so H-E-A-L-I-N-G, the number four, and then M-E, HEALING FOR ME. And so 10% off of regardless of whatever you actually purchase. Now, Dr. Lim, I followed up just in our conversation this week, but you continue to offer this wonderful uh, possibility that if a person uses one or other of these devices uh, and they really don't feel like it's providing the support that they were uh, expecting, they can return the device within six months and receive an 80% refund. Is that still the policy? Yeah, it is a policy. We, you know, we tend, intend to keep that forever. So no worries about that. I don't know many companies that offer that kind yeah. of generous policy. And uh, for listeners, I also want you to know, so because uh, number, I think we have over 70 listeners of Parkinson's Recovery Radio who have elected to purchase the NeuroGamma device. And so one way sort of generally of tracking the extent to which this might provide support for persons with neurological challenges has been to explore the question, well, how many of these particular devices were returned for a refund? So I checked with a company, and approximately only 10% of the devices have been returned for a refund. So on average, uh, 90% is pretty good. (laughs) It's like, whoa. No, no, actually, uh, actually lower than that. I think 10% was to do with, uh, you know, some things don't work well, and we don't bother to repair, and we just replace them. I think actual refund is much, much less than that. It's like 2%, you know? 
like three percent or four percent. Yeah, yeah, about two percent. Yeah. I was being uh, putting the figure a little bit high, but in general, uh, it really I have to say, I was just so enthused to uh, realize that very few devices were being uh, returned for that 80% refund, which means that people are uh, uh, reporting success with that. And then on the Parkinson's recovery survey, as I mentioned earlier in the uh, program, the surprise was that we specifically had reports of persons who reported that the NeuroGamma V-Lite device had been useful in getting them relief from their symptoms. So this is clearly a, a brand new, exciting development. And as I see it, this really is the medicine of the future. Would that be your sense too, Dr. Lim, that this kind of photobiomodulation therapy is really where medicine is headed in the future? Well, I'm biased, of course. <laughs> <I'll say yes. laughs> but, uh, I wonder yeah, why. I, 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 first of all, I was, I, I was, I was really alarmed when you say 10% return, so it's a lot less than that too. Um, yeah, we, we're doing a lot more work. We're not just you know, staying put and resting on the laurels. Uh, there will be a, a future device. Uh, it's not meant for everybody. It's meant more for research and people who really understand what different frequencies are going to do to the brain. Uh, that new device, uh, it will be called NeuroPro. Um, it'll be limited availability. Um, and you can change the frequencies from zero to 10,000 hertz, you know. You can uh, turn on and off selected modules. You can get selected modules to talk to each other, either in-phase, out-of-phase. You can have uh, groups of modules that pulse together or out-of-phase. You find, uh, so why do we do that? Um, we really find that it makes a difference. And some of the findings we have uh, you know, that we got was actually quite shocking. I mean, there's some of them accidental, and, you know, whether in phase or out of phase does make a difference. We, you know, we revealed that, uh, you know, later. But, uh, but you know, uh, the brain does, you know, how the brain responds actually uh, matters how you, uh, you know, you deliver the light. And, uh, and we found a lot of this through people in meditation, uh, people who invested tens of thousands of hours in meditation, they're not doing, you know, what they're experiencing is not, you know, they're not folklore or fable because uh, you can see, you can you can see the, the, the change or the effect in EEG. And they've, they've seen this change in various brain imaging as well. But people... You know, you can see in the faces too. So people do experience altered state when you pulse at different frequencies and different frequencies, and, and you know, you deliver it at different power. Uh, we've also found athletes responding. Uh, we have found, not through us actually, through you know, um, independent researchers, uh, that people's cognition. They respond to stimuli, uh, reaction time, uh, making the right decisions. All this seems to improve acutely in real time. But uh, we want to do more um, research in this, or rather they want to do more before they can nail this down because, uh, you know, researching something like this is 
you know, sometimes you're looking at a moving target. But we want to nail down to why it seems to be working, how we can control it better, and uh, and see what effect it has, it has on the brain. But you know, some of the the findings are quite surprising. But we'll reveal that in time. Now, for individuals that are drawn to acquire and begin using either the NeuroGamma device or the X Plus, is it the case that? It's really easy to use these. They don't have to adjust numbers or frequencies or volumes. Right. They just kind of put it on their head and put the applicator in their nose and push a button, and it's running for 20 minutes. Is that the bottom line here? Yeah, that, that is the bottom line. So we want to make the devices that are you know, widely available as simple to use as possible because, you know, first of all, we're dealing with a number of people who have you know, challenges in cognitive uh, the processing. So just press a button, it shuts off automatically after 20 minutes. That's why it doesn't have any adjustments in this in these models. Uh, I just touched on you know something in the future where uh, we may be able to customize very specific parameters to to different people, so they get personalized treatment and the effect may be more uh, quicker. But it is. There's a lot more work to be done. We are seeing, uh, we're just beginning to see, you know, that it matters and more work to be done. So, so it's quite exciting where we're going. And that could be the future. It is exciting to me. You are a true pioneer, Dr. Lam. Now, when people go to the Via Light website, and for those of you that are just listening and don't have the radio show page, that website address is VI. E L I G H T dot C O M. What they're going to see is an image of one of your devices, the NeuroGamma device, and a person has this little clip stuck in their nose. Now, somebody might look at that and think, well, that looks weird. I don't want to stick something up my nose. What's the purpose of that? Well, there are two reasons. One is, you know, the nose, the nasal area is rich in blood capillaries, vasculature. So, so if you want to deliver something into the blood circulation, that is a really good place to do it. Um, so that's one. And, you know, the theory of photobiomodulation goes back to low-level light therapy and low-level laser therapy. goes back to Russia when they used to inject uh, laser red laser into the vein to get this into the blood circulation. But you don't have to do that. You just increase the power a little bit more and stick it in the nose and it gets into the blood circulation as well. So that is another story. Uh, you know, I think even I met a, a doctor in Canada who was trained in Russia. Uh, he said, you know, post-surgery is like a normal thing to do during his time to actually do that. So... So we are adopting a, you know, a, a modality that's been pretty widely used in the old Soviet bloc. You know, uh, we don't see a lot of it in in the English literature. And then, the nose is also uh, the the easiest path to the brain. If you think about it, you know, on a on your head, on the top of your head, there is a scalp, the hair. Uh, these are all barriers. To light, 
and is that to keep away, you know, overexposure to, uh, to light UV and so on. Now, inside the nose, there's nothing much in between. It's just moisture uh, and soft tissues. So, so you don't need a lot of power to reach, you know, the brain from the nose. And then you're also reaching vital parts of the brain. So the easiest, the closest part of the brain that you reach is the olfactory bulb. Uh, where it, it determines your smell, what you're smelling, and so on. And the olfactory bulb has a direct projection to the hippocampal area, more precisely the anterior, the lateral anterior cortex, which is uh, fairly widely accepted as the first place where Alzheimer's starts. So, so that's uh, and then also it also has a direct projection to the thalamus, which kind of spreads information to all the way your brain. So, uh, so you know, having it in the nose makes a lot of sense. And that, when you combine with the rest of it, um, you know, it it just makes everything theoretically better. Oh, it makes such good sense to me too, given that a lot of individuals diagnosed with Parkinson's have difficulties with their ability to smell. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So the general question I have for you is, how new is this whole research area? It sounds like the origins might have been 40 or 50 years ago and might have actually originated in Russia. Would that be true? Well, the first discovery uh, is largely attributed to a Hungarian professor, Andre Mester, he published his first paper in 1967. And that was the days when laser was new and people didn't quite understand what lasers are capable of. And uh, he wanted to see if, and there, those days lasers were fairly high powered. Uh, it's, you know, you could use it to cutting, destroying things, and, you know, people were just learning, and he accidentally uh, delivered laser at very low power, and he was testing on mice. So there's a, you know, he shaved the first of the back of two groups of mice. One is the control group, and another one is where he wants to test it and see what happens. He thought he could maybe induce cancer tumor or something and learn from there. But those uh, mice that were delivered this low power laser actually had fur on the back of the of, on the back uh, grew back much more quickly. So oh, that was right. yeah, that was surprising. So the hey, this was not expected, and he did more studies, and people, you know, there were more studies that followed. So that that introduced uh, at that time low level laser therapy to the world. And that became, became low-level light therapy and became photobiomodulation today. Wow, fascinating. Now, people who want to learn more about these devices and the science behind them can go to the website, V-Lite, V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T. And you also have a customer service, uh, so people can actually call in their numbers on the website depending on whether you are located in uh, Europe or Asia or if you're located in Canada or the U.S., mm -hmm. and they'll be yeah. able to answer all of your questions. And then 
I just want to say to those of you who are part of the Parkinson's recovery audience, don't forget that if you decide you want to order over the phone, just make sure that you tell the representative you are a part of the Parkinson's recovery community, and they'll apply that 10% discount, which makes a difference. Uh, 10% mm-hmm. overall yep. really does make a difference in terms of what you have to pay, so don't forget to tell mm-hmm. them that. Yeah. Well, I just I just want to thank you, Dr. Lim, for taking the time to be here, a guest on the radio show, and explaining the science, the technology, the development, the origins of this exciting technology. Um, My sense of this is your work is miraculous and that I think it really is really at the edge of how all medicine is going to be proceeding. Light therapy, it seems to me, is where it's at. And you are a true pioneer. So uh, speaking for the many thousands of individuals who are part of uh, the Parkinson's recovery community, I just really say a heartfelt thank you for your creativity, your inventiveness, your ability to just create this organization, this website, these products. And, of course, what really is truly impressive is you are forging ahead uh, with new developments, new inventions, new ideas, as is the case with now having just the presentation of this new X Plus device uh, that I'm hoping we can encourage a number of persons with Parkinson's to use so that we can get some initial feedback on their results. So in summary, thank you for all that you have done for many, many people throughout the world. Well, thank you for the kind words, and thank you for allowing me to share this. You're most welcome. Well, it's really (laughs) my honor and our honor as well. And that's what's happening here on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and, of course, all of the children are profoundly loved. No, please, by virtue of the fact that you have taken some time to listen to this option, listen to this possibility, consider this as something that you might want to pursue that in your own way, in your own time, and in your own fashion, You indeed are traveling successfully down the road to recovery. Thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing here today at Parkinson's Recovery. I'm Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery. Be sure to contact me if you've got any follow-up questions or issues. I'm happy to help.